We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 25th, 2012. And this is part two. Next report is uh, entitled Adapt an Abortion Homicide Promoter. As an employee for many years of the late George Tiller, Julie Burkhart has been instrumental in the homicidal slaughter of thousands of innocent babies as an abortion doctor. She now wants to do it again. Join us in protesting abortion promoter Julie Burkert, who, who seeks to take the lives of precious children in Wichita, Kansas again. Julie Burkert, here's a lovely picture of this butcher, um, lives at 161 South Belmont, Wichita, or South Belmont, Wichita, Kansas, 67218. That's 161 South Belmont, Wichita, Kansas, 67218. This is, uh, you can get real specific with your prayers regarding her. And here's a group of Christians. Uh, last Saturday, 13 Saints of the Lord paid an outreach visit to Julie Burkhart's neighborhood. This is the picture of some of us in front of her home. Notice the wonderful sign she had on her house to welcome us. And it says, this this witch, which is what I would, uh, I think that's, giving witches almost a bad name, um, would say about her, the USA stands for freedom. God bless America, end of quote. So this is what, she knew they were coming and she wanted to make sure she sent them their, their message. And he goes on to say, amazing how freedom can be so selective, and in this case, homicidal. Think about that. She, this this devil has the audacity to put a sign on the front of her house that says, the USA stands for freedom, God bless America. My comment is, yes, this devil's freedom to murder innocent babies, but the poor little babies have no freedom to protect their slaughter. What about the baby's right to life? Mrs. whatever your name is, Julie Burkert, what about the baby? Oh, yeah, you have freedom all day long to slaughter as many babies as, as, as you want. You butcher. You demon-possessed to the toenails butcher. Talk about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. Or being turned over to a reprobate mind where you would have no problem all day long as long as you're raking in the dough. Probably a witch, literally, because like I said, that, that is the number one alternate agenda for abortion clinics, the doctors that work in them, the nurses that work in them, and we're going to discuss that in a second, just to refresh your memory. The private lives these people have, I, I guarantee you, would just... It wouldn't be something that you would want to um, look upon. The private life. I mean, if you could do that to a baby, have no problem with it. All day long. Killing, mangling, slaughtering little babies in the womb. That's what your profession is. Talk about blood money. Talk about cursed money. I mean, you are, you are, you have been turned over to a reprobate mind. You have had your conscience seared with a hot iron. You have given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, which I would say that sign qualifies for that. And having your conscience seared with a hot iron. 
like the Bible talks in 1 Timothy 4.1. We also, this is the pastor that put this out, Pastor Mark Hollick. He said, we passed out about 200 flyers to her neighbors and held signs in front of her house and on the busy street one block away. Her neighborhood association sent out an email to all the neighborhood residents that we were coming. Also present were two police cars, one police paddy wagon, which is like where they take you away. Because I'm sure that they thought the Christians were going to just, you know, start this brutal uprising like the Muslims would probably do. Um, you know, if, if they were protesting whenever they would want to protest. So they had two police cars, one paddy wagon, and an, F, and an FBI car, they think. So I just want to make you aware of that. Now I've done a teaching on abortion entitled Massacre of Innocence, The Occult Roots of Abortion. And I'm just going to read you the excerpt from that. In this teaching, we will be looking at the occult roots of abortion or aborticide with little known historical facts about abortion and how they relate to witchcraft and modern day feminism. Patricia Baird Wendell, founder and owner of the Aware Women's Center for Choice. I love that. It's a woman's choice. A woman's choice to slaughter her baby. But yet, if you have the baby, you can't slaughter it. What's the difference? What's the difference between five minutes ago it was in your womb and now you've had it? Now you can't kill it, but you could when it was in the womb? That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, before it came out of me, it was a fetus. A glob of cells. Oh, so it just magically became a human when it came out of you. Really makes a lot of sense. Kind of funny because the Bible says to Jeremiah the prophet, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Sounds like God knows us before we're even formed in the womb to me. There's no excuse for it. It's murder. Homicidal, satanic murder. Now, if you've had one, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to say you're a bad person and all these other things. I would imagine if you're a listener of mine, you've repented of that. You've asked God to forgiveness. And I am, and the blood of Jesus Christ can cover that sin like it can cover others, like it can cover other sins as well. Okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just saying people that like this, that are absolutely in your face, unrepentant, they're literally making a living off it. Or people that use, I mean, I've known I've known even women from times past before I was saved that would literally use abortion like birth control. That was their birth control. Oh, I got pregnant, I'm going to go get an abortion. And I thought, nothing of it. No conscience of sin. No nothing. Oh man, that's a dangerous place to be with God. So, Patricia Baird, uh, Baird Wendell, founder of and owner of Aware Woman Center for Choice, a.k.a. abortion clinics, was quoted saying, quote, you practice your religion and let me practice mine. My religion is holy ritual child sacrifice. Now, she was an owner of an abortion clinic. It's the only profession that I really know of that you can practice child sacrifice legally and make tons of money and still and use it as part of your religion. There's no other religion that I know of where you can get away with child sacrifice. And it'd be all legal-like. It's not legal in God's eyes. It's murder. I could care less what the law says. The laws are unjust. 
They're wicked. They're evil. Not every law, obviously, but a ton of them are, and it's becoming increasingly worse by the day as they enact all these different laws, and we're, like I said before, we're, we're, we're breaking the law every day, and we don't even know it. It's impossible to keep them all. So it's a win-win for a witch like this who can literally practice her religion, which is holy ritual child sacrifice. Holy. How dare she use that word in regard to this? Is as unholy and ungodly and wicked as anything you could possibly even do. You demented, twisted, who could say something like that? Holy! But they're so, their mind is so dark that they think in their own sick, twisted, demented mind that it is evidently holy. On August 4th, 1992, two employees of Aware Woman Abortion Clinics, Veronica Jordan and Rebecca Morris, registered a non-profit religious corporation known as the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida, or WRCF. Wiccan, what's that? Those are white witches. The word Wiccan means twisted or bent. These are the good witches. These are the ones that wear the pentagram with a point up. Because they're like the good witch of the West. Or no, it was the wicked witch of the West, right? Yeah. It was the good witch of the whatever. I don't know. All witches are practicing evil. There's no good. There's no white and black witchcraft. There's a, In God's eyes, it's all the same. Black is, is more honest. Because at least they're honest about what they're doing. It's wicked and evil. Whereas the white witchcraft is more dangerous because it's like the Harry Potter garbage where it's like, oh no, this is good witchcraft. We put spells on people to do wonderful things for them. It's a lie from the pit of hell. All witchcraft is a curse. All witchcraft is evil. We don't have any business messing around with any of it as Christians. You want God to hammer you? Get into witchcraft. I mean, if you're a born-again Christian, you better prepare to be chastened by God if you mess around with witchcraft. And if you're, if you're not chastened by God, you're not saved. Oh, how dare you say that? The Bible's very clear. You know, the Lord loveth, whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth, meaning spank. If he's your kid, he's got a right to spank you. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Meaning, you think you're a son, but you're an illegitimate son. You're not one of God's kids. You're not saved. That's a sign that you're saved. It's not the only sign that you're saved, but there should be certain indicators that you're saved. I mean, if you're saved and you can go around and sin and live like the devil and have no conviction of sin, you're not saved. Because if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, he's going to convict you of these things. And you're not going to be able to go around and live like you did before and have no conscience of sin. But I said that little prayer and it was, yeah, well, you didn't get saved. There was no faith behind it. And you had no intention of changing you just said it because you're gonna, you thought you're going to get a get out of jail free card pass or something. Your life wasn't impacted whatsoever. You're still living like the devil. You have no conscience of sin, and you sin like the devil, and there's still no chastisement. Real bad sign. Also, there's no fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. None of that either. Or some people put on a show. They're like fake it, fake it till you make it. You know that expression? <laughs> that doesn't work with heaven. 
You either are saved or you're not. So that's why the Bible says, examine yourself to see whether ye be in the faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Make sure that you're hearing the right word of God, the King James Bible, because it has so much more power over these perverted versions that have been leavened and watered down. Really big point. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. So, you're saved by grace, the grace of God, through what? Faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Just some things. This gets into the whole realm of salvation. Again, click on the True Salvation tab at contendingfortruth.com. I can't obviously go into a complete study on that. I've already done that. So, anyway, uh, so these two people that worked at a Woman abortion clinic registered a non-profit religious corporation known as the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida. I mean, what a, what a marriage made in hell. You got Wicca, witchcraft, totally linked and tied up with an abortion clinic. It's a win-win-win situation because then you can have win-win. I mean, it, it, you're making money, you're practicing your Wiccan religion, you're right out in the open, and you can literally commit child sacrifice, unholy ritual, child sacrifice, to whatever deity, Moloch, Chemosh, Artemis, Lilith, whatever deity that you're into, where you think you can get the most goodies from, because that's what it's all about, what can I get for doing this? That's why they do it. Gain more power, gain more money, gain more whatever. It's sickening. And you can get all that in one fell swoop. I don't know a better a better gig for a witch or a pagan or an occultist than owning an abortion clinic. I don't know a better satanic gig. I don't. I don't mean to make light of it, but I'm just saying. For them, that's how they would view it. Laughing all the way to the bank and the satanic altar. But they're not going to be laughing when they plunge into hell. They don't get saved. And I pray they do get saved, but I just, I'm sorry, I've never seen, and I'm sure they're out there, I've never seen a testimony from a witch that owned an abortion clinic that saw the light of Christ and got saved. I haven't seen it. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not saying there's not a pit too low that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, can't pull them out of. I've just never seen it. And I think, obviously, the odds of that happening are infinitesimal. Sin hardens you. It hardens your heart. You become more increasingly, more turned over to a reprobate mind. Your conscience becomes more seared with a hot iron. And it becomes harder and harder for you to get saved the longer you stay in it. And this is like the, <laughs> this is like the grand poobah of all sins. I mean, this is like the, the, the pinnacle here we're talking about here. So, these two women started this Wiccan Religious Cooperative Organization of Florida. The stated purpose of this organization is to provide an umbrella organization for witch covens throughout the state of Florida. 
The incorporation papers listed two abortion clinic employees as the director of the Wiccan organization. Shortly after the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida was founded, Carol Ebbing, another aware abortion clinic employee, procured the book, quote, The Sacrament of Abortion by Gwinnett Paris. The sacrament, like the Catholics have their sacraments. Well, to a pagan or a witch, this is a sacrament. This is basically this abort, the, when they abort a baby, they view it as a life that whatever deity they're sacrificing it to, let's just say Lilith or Artemis, that that life wasn't deemed fit to live. So they sacrificed the baby to Artemis or Lilith or whatever fallen angel they're doing this to for whatever goodies they're trying to procure. Because there's always some hidden agenda. They don't just do this because there's no benefit to them. In this teaching, we will we will endeavor... Oh, hold on. The sacrament of abortion was by Gwinnett Paris, who is a witch in France, who presents abortion as a, quote, sacred act, a sacrifice to Artemis. In this teaching, we will also endeavor to show you how the struggle against this horrific act is primarily a spiritual one. Throughout history, certain pagan cultures have sacrificed human infants to satanic deities as part of a complicated ritual in return for favors asked of them. While few of those involved in the abortion today are consciously engaging in a ritualized child sacrifice, it doesn't matter if a, if a woman goes in there and she doesn't know what's going on, and she's like, I just want this baby. I don't want to deal with this baby. Okay, let's say it's to the God of self. I don't want this baby. It's too much of a burden, too much of a monetary burden. I want to live my life free and clear. Whatever. That's her motivation. That doesn't mean that all the witches in the room performing the abortion, aren't viewing it as a child sacrifice. They could care less if she's on board. I mean, I guess it would be even better if she was on board from a mass witchcraft pooling of satanic energies standpoint. <laughs> I don't know how exactly how they view it, but I would imagine. But, um, and there's a lot of women that are bred satanically in satanic covens for that exact reason. They're called breeders. And they will literally become impregnated on a satanic altar during the ritual process. And then when they have the baby, the baby's literally sacrificed there on the altar. This is what, how we have Ishtar. Has a lot to do with Easter. As it goes during Easter... Anyway, how Easter was originally uh, celebrated was these virgins would be impregnated on a satanic altar at Easter or Ishtar. They'd have the babies nine months later, and then when the babies were three months old, at the next Ishtar, those same babies would be sacrificed on that same altar. And then they would also impregnate further ones. It's a fertility cult. The people that celebrated Ishtar or Easter were into the fertility cult. It was the goddess Ishtar that they were sacrificing these babies to. Supposedly she gave the life and now she takes it. 
This is what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with some really, really, really sick stuff. Now, I've done a whole teaching on Easter. If you think that's a godly holiday, I got another. I got uh, some news for you. It's not. It's as pagan as it gets. Well, it doesn't matter because we can Christianize it. Oh, so we can take something that was totally evil and corrupted from its foundation, even though the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. And we can Christianize it. Oh, what, like the Catholics did? Because they're the ones that caused all this. They're the ones that amalgamated pagan holidays into the holidays that we have today, like Xmas and Ishtar and Valentine's Day and all this other garbage. Thank the Catholic Church. A lot of things uh, that the modern day church does comes from the Catholic Church. You gotta be real careful. Because you don't want anything to do with what they're trying to give you. So, going further here. I'm just trying to see where I left off. While few others, few of those involved in the abortion era can consciously engaging in child sacrifice. That is precisely what abortion is. A sacrifice of human life on the altar of convenience and to the God of self. And then I give you the PDF. You can click on the link and you, it'll go right into the audio of the teaching that, um, that I did on that particular subject. Now, next report. Norway is now officially Judenrin. Which, mean, which means free of Jews. The oppressive Nazi wolf is back, supported by waves of Islamic immigrants. This is a uh, news brief from Israel America News. It's entitled, Western Europe will soon be Judenrin. Judenrin. Uh, Norway is now God have mercy. Norway now is God have mercy. goes on to say, quote, in a few weeks, Norway will be Judenrin, the last, which I guess means free of the Jews. The last 819 Jews still living in Norway are now leaving the country due to a rise in anti-Semitism. Thus, Norway becomes the first European country in which the Jews will no longer live. A similar development can be observed in all European countries. How did this development come about? And see, this is right on cue with all the stuff going on in the Middle East and in the world. People becoming increasingly more and more and more anti-Semitic. It's a revival of what was going on in, well, Hitler's day, obviously, on more of a local, regional level, obviously, the most extreme being the Nazis, but we're seeing this again. So, going further, how did this development come about? Jews are being attacked daily all throughout Western Europe. Some countries like Norway have actually taken Action to force the Jews out. Echoes of Adolf Hitler can be heard loudly. And there's a little link to a movie here called Theologians Under Hitler. Which, I guess, talks more about this. Anne Sender, the head of the Jewish community in Norway, once said, Many immigrants brought anti-Semitism from their countries. The shame is that nobody speaks out against them. Because everybody's afraid of the Muslims. The Muslims are why this is all happening. Okay? This isn't just some, all of a sudden, some anti-Semitic thing that just appeared out of nowhere. Not to say it didn't exist before the Muslims got there, but they're the ones obviously bent on the Jews' destruction. Israelites. So, the shame is that nobody speaks out against them. The waves of Muslim immigrants being bring anti-Semitism back to Europe. 
a similar development is taking place in the neighboring country, Sweden, and in all European countries. See, wherever Muslims go, good things happen. You know? Peace, love, joy, long-suffering. They're incredibly tolerant. Just good people. You know, wherever they go, they're just spreading the joy. Spreading the joy of Allah. Obviously, I'm being as sarcastic as possible. Some Muslims and European leaders are willing to become quite bold in their demand that all Jews leave. Again, once they get to a certain level, population-wise, in a country, it is systematic. They will go about and they will go, you know, order to bring about Sharia law, drive all the Jews out, implement laws and all these things on the books so that, you know, they take away our rights and they have rights and they do it all under the name of this religion. And that's just some of the things they do. And they'll increasingly do it by threats and force and physical violence because that's what they're really all about. Dutch politicians from the social democratic circles marched together with the Muslims who called... They marched together with the Muslims? Why? Because they're so spineless they can't speak against them? This is pathetic. Who called for the construction of gas chambers in order to burn the Jews? This is just unbelievable. There's 819 Jews left in Norway. 819. And these devils have the audacity. Dutch politicians from the social democratic circles marched together with Muslims who called for the construction of gas chambers in order to burn the Jews. Oh, but that's politically correct, Okay, I guess. That's okay to say. That's United Nations approved. Can you imagine if it was the uh, Christians marching, calling for the destruction of the Muslims? I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying, can you imagine the absolute public outrage from all four corners of the, of the planet? I can't even imagine. <laughs> Such hypocrisy. It's, it's just unbelievable. I love to point it out everywhere I see it. Because, why? Because it's unrighteous. God hates unrighteous things. Why? Because he's a righteous God. It displeases God, and he's, he's very clear in, in the word of God, that it displeases him and that it grieves him when there's no justice, when there's no equity, when there's no true biblical judgment going on. Biblical judgment, not hypocritical judgment, like when you see a beam, when you have a beam in your own eye and you judge the speck in your brother's. That's unbiblical, that's hypocritical. But God loves righteous judgment. And because there's no or very little righteous judgment in the world, things get more and more wicked. Because righteous judgment will keep evil in check. It's a remedy. It's a counterbalance to evil. Righteous justice, righteous judgment, equity is a counterbalance to evil. But there's very little of that. I mean, this is, this is as insane of a thing as I've heard lately. They're calling for the construction of gas chambers in order to burn the Jews? In German-speaking countries, this is not reported in the press. The German journalists think that the Muslims are decent people who have no connection whatsoever to the extreme right. There's still a lot of Nazism. There's still a lot of that that's still in. Now, I'm not condemning Germany. I'm just saying that still exists. There's a lot of people that still 
would back Hitler. You, you can't believe that, that all of a sudden, all these people that were, where you had literally mass demon possession that followed Hitler, millions and millions of people that were backing this guy. Now I understand a lot of them were just going along to get along. Okay, I understand that. I and mean, that's not right either. But you can't think that all of a sudden, all of those demons that were possessing those people just kind of like went away after the war. Ah, uh, you know. It was it was it was it was a bad choice. I mean, you know, I'm eh. I'm sorry. I, yeah, those demons aren't going anywhere, and the sins of the forefather are passed to the third and fourth generation. The Bible talks about. So you you adopt these things typically through a genealogical thing. There's a genetic. There's a passing down of these types of things, and I think we're going to see a real emergence of this hatred of the Israelites. I think we're seeing that already. That's why I guess I harp on it so much. Because it's so obvious what's going on here. It's a revival of what Hitler... They're trying to, 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 to finish the job Hitler started, the Muslims in particular. It's just, I don't know, it's just very, very obvious to me. So... With this approach, journalists are helping to drive the Jews away from Europe. They suppress the nightmare of Islamic immigration, what it's done. What is the fruit of, of Islamic immigration into Europe? I've reported on it many, many times. It is horrific. Wherever they go, they can only bring evil, misery, oppression. It's, it's just... The fruit is so unbelievably abominable and horrific. As the world spins toward the appearance of Antichrist, the force of the old Nazi wolf is back. Truly we stand at the precipice of God's judgment. This is cutting. This is a cutting edge report I'm reporting on, on, just up on their website. Truly we stand at the precipice of God's judgment. The Antichrist will bring upon the Jewish people an unprecedented level of persecution, and Holocaust. Jews will be encouraged to flee Israel, to flee to Israel, and many will do just that. There's a gigantic movement of trying to get people, the Jews, back to um, Israel. The, what these Jews do not realize is that the Illuminati is thinking, as they encourage these Jews to migrate to Israel, that it will be far easier to kill all the Jews if they're in a concentrated area, like Israel rather than to be spread all over the world. It's like shooting ducks in a barrel, in other words. That's how they're looking at it. But God is still on his throne. While the enemies of the Israelites plot to lure them, lure them all to Israel, at least the ones they can't kill, so they will be located in a small area. God is planning to preserve one-third of the Jews who actually will be saved. Where does it say that? Zechariah 13.8. And I've done whole studies on this whole thing, these whole swaths of scripture, but just for the sake of time, Jeremiah 13, 8 and 9 says, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, now this is talking about Israel and the Jews, okay, this is the context of the verse, that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. Two parts of the, of the Israelites that are in the land, and this is during, this is basically by the end of the tribulation. Two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third part shall be left therein. 
And I will bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined, which is basically what God does with just about all Christians in some way, shape, or form. We're tried. We're refined in the fire. When you put gold or silver into the fire, it burns off the dross. Well, in the case of silver. Any impurities in the metal comes out. You become more of a vessel fit for the master's use, as the Bible talks about. The, the trial of our faith, where it talks about that, being more precious than gold. So these are things that, that um, you know, most Christians, to one extent or another, experience. Okay, And this is just confirming this. I will bring a third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Now, previously, in the other chapters, it says they will look upon the one whom they have pierced, Jesus Christ, and they will mourn him as they mourn their only begotten son. They're finally going to have their eyes open. Israel, collectively, at least this one-third will have their eyes opened collectively. And they're going to understand what they did. Well, of course, I mean, obviously they can't, you can't just blame them for, you know, putting Jesus Christ in the cross. The, the people that were there were actually, you know, the, the, the Israelites that were there that said, crucify Jesus Christ, give us Barabbas. And he's like, but I'd rather give you Barabbas. He's like, no, 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 let his, let crucify Jesus Christ. Let his blood the blood of Jesus Christ be upon us and our children. They brought a collective curse upon themselves. They asked, they literally asked for it. And this is why the Jews have had such horrific times since then. I mean, look at all the, you, you look at how they were scattered, and then they didn't have a country, and then they finally got the country in 1948, and then they've been just persecuted, and I mean, what, the, the Nazi Holocaust before that, I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta admit, I mean, they, they've been pretty much persecuted from pillar to post. But they're going to get their eyes open during the tribulation and they're going to look upon whom they've pierced and they're going to mourn for And then that's when, that's when they shall call upon my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they shall say, the Lord is my God. They're going to get their eyes open. A third. So, anyway. Um, Do not be confused with the current Illuminati leadership of Israel versus the Israel which shall exist when Jesus returns. Ah, great point. Because it's like if I say, if I, I get into studies like this and they say, oh, you're a Zionist just like John Hagee. You're a Christian Zionist. You think they can do no wrong. No, I never said that. I try to have biblical balance. Also, I did a teaching on that subject that I talked about with Israel called the biblical reason for Israel's affliction. Just keen Israel or affliction. I go over the Bible verses. Why things are the way they are. Why blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. But so many people love to just like ignore huge swaths of scripture regarding Israel and say, oh, it doesn't apply to them. God doesn't care about them anymore. God's done with them. Oh, wow. Who taught you that? What, what prophet or what whoever, what book taught you that? Would you have ever come to that conclusion on your own if you didn't have that book or that supposed minister 
convoluting facts and excluding other scriptures and using some perverted Bible to get you to that point. I mean, I'm serious. I, I see more of that than anything in Christianity. It's just, it's rife and rampant. And what we need is just a few more thousand books out there. And a few more thousand false apostate ministers up on the internet to lead you astray. That's what we need. It's all we're lacking. That's what I see. We're, I mean, in... Not everyone, but a lot. So it says, do not be confused with the current Illuminati leadership of Israel versus the Israel which shall exist when Jesus returns. And do not be confused by the reality that God allowed Satan's forces to establish Israel. God was preparing Israel for her coming seven-year tribulation judgment ever since the Rothschild family supported and funded the first Zionist conference in Switzerland in 1897. And then you had Lord Balfour with the Balfour Declaration where he gave the land. Okay? And this is a big reason why they got a hexagram on their flag. A hexagram, one of the most high-level, wicked religious symbols that a witch could cast to literally invoke a demon to our plane of existence or a fallen angel or a devil. And they got it on the flag. It's the Star of David. No, it's not. David never had nothing to do with that. Solomon, now that's another story. He probably did. I get into that subject in depth in my teaching on the hexagram. Hex, what's that word mean? Curse? Six-pointed star? Huh. You could get 666 out of a hexagram real easy. Anyway. Going further, at every step of the way since then, God has been setting up Israel for her coming judgment so that when Jesus returns, he returns to a believing Israel. Why do they have to be judged further? Because that's usually the only thing that will wake people up. When they're very, very hardened toward a particular truth, God usually has to humble them. God usually has to take them to the woodshed in order to get their eyes opened. Humility can do things that are absolutely amazing. Fear of God can do things that are amazing. Puts things in perspective. Whereas if you're proud, or if you think you got it all figured out, you're not going to get saved. You got it all figured out. You're the God of your own universe, or you're whatever. Humility is really important. Jesus Christ said, unless you humble yourself as a little child, you shall not see the kingdom of God. Humility is a prerequisite for getting saved. Whoever comes to God saying, well, I think I'm going to do God a favor. I'm going to bless him this day and I'm going to say, I'm going to do him the privilege of getting saved. And he's going to have a wonderful, upstanding, righteous person like me to add to his army. You think that person could ever get saved with that kind of attitude? Humility is where it's at. Fear of God, the natural byproduct of the fear of God is humility. And I don't mean false humility. The Bible says in, in Isaiah, I believe 66, it says, To this man will I look, to have him that is of a contrite spirit, and essentially trembleth at my word. A meek and contrite. Meek does not mean weak. Moses was the meekest man on earth and, and he had a bad temper. 
But he was meek before God. He was he knew his standing to God. He was humble before God. He understood. I mean, to a certain extent, he understood his position in regard to the God of the universe. He would humble himself. And it's one of the few things that I think we can do to please God is show humility to him. Thankfulness. Worship God. Well, the Bible talks about entering, entering his course with praise and into his and thanksgiving, you know. Thanksgiving, praise, worship, humility. Sometimes when I pray, that's all I do. I don't ask him anything. I, increasingly, I feel worse and worse asking God for anything, for myself. I tend to pray for other people. That's how you really move mountains. When you pray for other people. You're praying for yourself all the time. I'm telling you, God is just not going to tend to honor those prayers. Why? Because they tend to be self-centered. I'm not saying never, but I'm saying if you always go to God and it's always all about you, how would you like it if you had a kid and all you ever got was nagging from that kid about what they needed, about what they wanted? I'm not condemning people. I'm just saying, think about it. I mean, you know. But if that child came to you and said, was talking about others and about how you're asking them to bless others and had no, there was no benefit to the person at all, to the, to the child asking you. There was no benefit to them at all, nothing. Well, God knows our heart. When Solomon went to God, one of the few times that God ever said he was actually pleased with a human being, I mean, other than Jesus Christ, instead of asking for riches, instead of asking for whatever, all the materialistic things, he asked for wisdom to rule such a great people as this. Why? Because he was as but a little child. He knew, he knew not whether to come in or go out. So how could he know how to govern this great people? Apart from God. That pleased God, and not only did he give him more wisdom than any other man on the planet, save Jesus Christ, but then he also gave him more wealth, more what all the other things. So, just some things to think about. I'm really getting off track here. Um, anyway, so going further here, uh, in the meantime, Europe does not realize her danger of physical judgment at the hand of God. God's warning is plain to all European rulers, but in spiritual blindness and in deafness, they will not turn or change. But will continue on their path of ancient hatred toward the Israelites until God's judgment falls on them during the seven-year reign of Antichrist. When he talked to, to Father Abraham and said, I'll make a great nation of you, and I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. We're supposed to pay, play, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible talks about, you know, and to bless Jerusalem and, and the Israelites and let their uh, let their eyes be open. I pray the Muslims' eyes be open. I just don't see that happening on a mass scale. I see them so consumed with hatred and blind satanic possession. I don't see that happening on a mass scale. I'm, I pray that it does, but I just can't see biblically 
that happening. I mean, you look at the Bible in the Old Testament. Whenever there were evil races of people bent on Israel's destruction, I don't think there is one case ever where they all of a sudden said, you know, we really like the Israelites. They're kind of good guys. We like them. Oh, can we worship your God? Because we think you're, you're awesome. I, I just don't see that. Just from a biblical historical standpoint. Anyway, let's go further. Next report. Big Brother, New World Order government is in full view in Ireland where voters have granted their government sweeping powers to seize children from their parents. United Nations mandates are being implemented. This is a report entitled Irish Vote to Give State Nearly Unbridled Power to Seize Children from the New American. The Irish approved an amendment to their national constitution on Saturday that will bring into compliance with mandates of the United Nations that govern the state's seizure of children. The margin was 57% to 43%. Now, also, there's this is another cutting-edge report, and there's a DVD entitled Secrets at the United Nations, Fountainhead of the New World Order. It's by Pastor Mike Hoggard. And uh, I, I haven't seen the DVD but it looks like a good one. Um, look, he has some really... I, I just... I, I can't imagine how he does all those DVDs. <laughs> My word. Wow. He really churned some DVDs out, is all I can say. But it's good because you literally have the visual right there. It's like, oh, okay. I got the visual. Whereas, you're listening to me now, and it's like, well, you don't have the visual. Now, if you're following along with the PDF, you know... That's about as visual as I can really get for um, what I can do here. So, goes on to say, okay, now I understand the United Nations has mandated that the state be given power to seize children from their parents. The United Nations was established in 1945 as the infant global government, which one day will be ruled by the Antichrist. Their votes, their plans, and their hatred toward righteousness are all reflective of the deep and abiding hatred of Christianity. Like communist governments over the years, the United Nations considers children to belong to them, not to their parents. If the parents are, ch- are Christian or hold on to Christian values, the UN believes they have the right to seize them away from their home. We are just seeing the practical outworking of this belief in Ireland. The Alliance of Parents Against the State campaigned against the passage of the referendum on this measure, which the APS says will diminish the rights of parents and give the Irish government nearly unbridled power to seize children. Even worse, Irish law will come under the control of the United Nations, which is the death knell for any freedom that any country would have. The amendment's key words that pertain to the power, pertain to the power of the state are best interests meaning the best interests of the child. Supposedly, the state must always keep the, quote, best interests of the child in the uppermost um, in its decision-making process. Problem is, the state determines what those best interests are. So it's like the fox guard in the hen house. It's like Satan becoming Mr. Morality, saying, well, we believe the best interests are this. Everyone wants to ensure that young children must have someone in authority looking out for their best interests. The problem comes when the state authority is blatantly anti-Christian and is looking for an excuse to intervene into the home 
In Massachusetts, and this is cutting-edge writing, David Bay, I believe, in Massachusetts in 1986, my wife and I ran into a buzzsaw of the, of the State Department of Children's Services when we adopted two girls. Without warning, we discovered we were being investigated for possible child abuse. Three char- the three charges were, number one, we were charged with forcing our children to bow their heads while we prayed before meals. Two, we forced our children to listen to family Bible study. Three, we forced our children to go to church. To get the state off our back, I had to appeal to my congressman. Finally, when the children's services received a phone call from the security to the congressman, they dropped the charges. Soon people all over the world will be under similar duress if they do not raise their children exactly as the United Nations wants them raised. This is some of the most hypocritical garbage that goes on on planet Earth. I listened to a guy the other day that called into Alex Jones, and he was a FEMA Homeland Security Inspector guy, and I think it was after like Irene or something, one of the not Sandy but Irene. He went in there, the hurricane, I guess, and they went into like the biggest dilapidated crack house areas, and were just giving out money to these people. These were places that were absolutely, should have been condemned before, but they were just cutting checks right and left. It's like our government, you know, one of them they call evil good and good evil. Well, this is how our government is more and more increasingly becoming. And this guy saw the most horrific stuff going on in these crack houses. I mean, stuff I can't even say. Crack pipes, used heroin needles, People strung out all over these places. And then little babies crawling around the midst of all of this. Evil, vile filth. And most of the mothers that had babies were basically, the only thing they cared about was their next fix. Their next heroin, their next hit of crack or whatever. And they had had these babies, a lot of them were like off the radar because they had had them and, and you know, they just go on and they keep prostituting themselves and then they make a little more money to have their next heroin shot. And they're sharing needles. They're, you know, they're probably, most of them have AIDS and stuff like this. They're pat- I mean, that's what happens when you share needles. And he went to FEMA and Homeland Security or whatever the, the thing was and he, he was like, hey, listen, uh, we need to get, we need to intervene in the situation. I mean, there's like little babies. And you know what they told him? They said, you mind your own business. You keep cutting those checks, and you don't worry about what's going on in there. And yet the audacity of Child Protective Services and these wicked, evil, I mean, some of the most evil people on the planet that come and will do anything, any little excuse in the world to take your child from you. Any little Tiny excuse if if you've got a child that is desirable to them. Why? Because they are a cadre of pedophiles. Where they will literally adopt these children out to the foster families that brutally rape them and do all manner of wickedness and evil to them. You're far more, far more likely to be sexually abused in, in the... If, if uh, the Child Protective Services takes your kid and they give them to a foster family or do with them whatever they do with them. It's a proven statistical fact. Far more likely. They'll do it all day long. But these types of, of babies, 
they're like just don't even bother. They don't care about them. They're un, they're to them the the and I and I'm sorry, I'm not being prejudiced. I'm saying to them, they would view the black babies as kind of like undesirable. There's not a lot of value there, so just let the let the crack mothers do it with them whatever they want, you know. And he was told to shut up this first time. Then he goes back. It's like a day or two later. He goes into another crack house, and he hears this baby crying. And supposedly there were like supposedly no children, I think. And he ends up going up into the uh, the stop the top of it because he had to inspect the, the the premises. I'm doing this from memory. I, I'm probably not maybe being as accurate as I should be, but he gets up to this top thing, and there's this baby crying up there. And I mean, the baby's like, you know. Not there's like no diaper. The baby's pooped and peed everywhere. The baby's just bawling their eyes. It probably hasn't been fed in who knows how long. Just filthy, dirty, crying. Poor little thing, just up there crying. And and the the um the I think he goes back down and he just starts bawling. Just he's just bawling uncontrollably. And then I think he calls again. To one of his supervisors, and they're like, "Just we told you before, shut up and do your job. Don't. That's not any of your business. This will go on all day long. This is going on all day long in the inner cities. They want those babies to die. Why do you think that fifty? I think it's like fifty-two percent of all black pregnancies result in abortion." What was the main goal of Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood? Her main goal was absolute eradication of the blacks. Talk about a holocaust. Now, could you imagine if, if, if a bunch of white people went out there and just automatically slaughtered 52% of the black race right now? I think there might be a civil war. But they've done that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for this or, or put myself in Margaret Sanger's position, but I'm saying this disgusting Margaret Sanger, who literally corresponded with Hitler, who Hitler said he greatly admired, and she said she greatly admired Hitler. Hitler adopted a lot of her eugenics depopulation schemes. She would literally recruit black, black preachers to into the whole Planned Parenthood mindset. She had black preachers go and they were actually doing the bidding of Margaret Sanger in Planned Parenthood. This goes back a long way. There's been a systematic um, attempt to absolutely decimate and destroy the black population in America. Totally. So this guy goes out and he's bawling and then I guess they say, you know, shut up, cut the check, get out of there. So... The, I think he goes back up there and, and they're just chomping at the bit to get this check or, or this money. I don't know. I, I can't believe it'd be cash. But essentially what it boiled down to was he ended up giving them this money and within like one minute of that or whatever, they were smoking crack over the baby's crib. These two women. I mean, it was just like, it's just beyond horrific. 
absolutely beyond comprehension. You cannot believe the wickedness and evil that goes on in this world. It's absolutely incomprehensible. I saw a a documentary, uh, a clip of of a place in Liberia yesterday. I, I just, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible, the wickedness that exists on planet Earth. We, most of us really have no clue. We really don't. I don't either. How I told you about that, also that, that clip I saw from that town in Russia, where literally like 60% of the people are heroin addicts. And now they're doing that new drug, Crocodile, that rots you. You lose your limb. I mean, it, it destroys your internal organs. All just to get away from the pain, I guess. Away of the pain of just daily life. Their, their lives are so, I guess, empty. It's so sad. It, it really is. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only true remedy. But, and then we got these types of Nazis that work for child protective services in these who who were saying that you know the charges were the children were bowing their heads when they prayed before meals, forcing our children to listen to family Bible study, forcing our children to go to church. That's a crime. But all this other stuff that goes on on a daily basis on a mass scale globally, worldwide, that's okay. That's all good. The abortion, the the unbelievable self, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Just on the documentaries that I'm just talking about, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Going further, it says, the UN's view of the child mirrors the view of the communism, where the children ultimately belong to the state and can be taken away from their biological parents by any excuse whatsoever. This is the future of the family in the coming global dictatorship known as the New World Order, the Kingdom of Antichrist. And I did a teaching entitled The um, UN Lucius Trust, World Goodwill, Earth Charter, and Maitreya. And and I'll just read you the uh, paragraph. The Lucius Trust is a publishing house which prints and disseminates United Nations material. So, Lucius Trust is the publishing house for the United Nations. It is a devastating indictment of the New Age and pagan nature of the UN Lucius Trust that it was established in 1922 as Lucifer Trust by Alice Bailey. Lucifer, the original name, essentially, of Satan. Um... And this was the publishing company used to disseminate the books of Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky, the, the, who really are the two main New Age, started the Theosophical religion. Their writings are the absolute total backbone of the United Nations um, religious views. Going all the way back into the 1800s. I've reported many times on Madame Blavatsky, Alice Bailey. Most of their writings, particularly Alice Bailey, were all channeled. Channeled through devils. Self-admitted. Wrote whole books. You go up to the United Nations sponsored, Share International, 
Matreya website, who I've done many teachings on, you go up to that website and you go to the recommended reading list, Share International. This is Matreya. This is the guy that says he's the the coming awaited savior to all major religions. The fifth Buddha to the Buddhists, the, the Krishna to the um, Hindus, Imam Mahdi to the Muslims, the Messiah to the Jews, and the Christ to the Christians. Says he's all that wrapped up in one thing. I'm not saying he is. I think he's going to play some part, though, for sure. And what's coming down here, as far as an antichrist delusion, and you go to the recommended reading list, and the two main authors they tell you to read are Alice Bailey and H.P. Blavatsky. Two main ones. And Lucius Trust was established in 1922 originally as Lucifer Trust by Alice Bailey as the publishing company used to disseminate the books of Bailey and Blavatsky and the Theosophical Society. These are the, these are the ones that, that talk about the Ascended Masters that are going to come on the scene at the very end, like with this Maitreya character. And they're going to be the ones that have all the answers. World peace, cancer cures, free energy, you name it. They're going to supposedly have all the answers. They're going to come saying, you know what? We actually created you guys, the human race. <laughs> Ever heard of the ancient astronaut theory? Yeah, we came here millions of years ago. We seeded your planet with humanity. You're kind of like our little science project. But you know what? You messed things up so bad that we've got to make another appearance and kind of straighten things out and be your leaders. And if you let us do this, you will attain unto Godhood. We're going to take you out of that age of Pisces, and we're going to put you in the age of Aquarius, and you'll be as gods. It's like the Bible talked about in Genesis 3. We're going to help you out. As long as you bow to us, and as long as you let us rule you, this is what's coming. This is what they say, not me. The title page of Alice Bailey's book, Initiation, Human, and Solar, was originally printed in 1922 and clearly shows the publishing house as Lucifer Publishing. Bailey changed the name to Lucius Trust because Lucifer Trust revealed the true nature of the New Age movement too clearly. At one time, the Lucius Trust office in New York City was located at 666 United Nations Plaza. Golly, man, it doesn't get much worse than that. How about in your face and flagrant? 666 United Nations Plaza and is, and is called a member of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations under a slick program called World Goodwill. To this end, Lucius Trust started World Goodwill, an official non-governmental organization within the United Nations. The stated aim of this group is to, quote, cooperate in the world of, for the preparation and for the reappearance of the Christ. Now, what does that mean? World Goodwill, world Goodwill who is an official non-governmental organization in the United Nations, started by Lucius Trust, which was originally Lucifer Trust, which was started by Alice Bailey, who was inspired by Madame Blavatsky, their stated goal is to cooperate in the world of preparation for the reappearance of the Christ. 
This is what the United Nations wants. This is what the United Nations is preparing humanity for. This is why they have that day every year where they do the world invocation prayer. To bring about this coming awaited Savior of all humanity. Who this Lord Maitreya, and I do it with little L, not big L, says that he is the one that everybody's waiting for. Well, okay. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. They go on to say, quote, Today the reappearance of the world teacher, the Christ, is expected by millions. Not only by those of the Christian faith, but by those of every faith who expect the avatar under other names, like Lord Maitreya, Krishna, Messiah, Imam Mahdi, Badashiva. We will also be taking an extensive look at the UN Meditation Room, in the UN, and the Earth Charter, and the blasphemous Ark of Hope. So I give you the, you can click on that if you want to hear that teaching. It's, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's from March 16th, 2008. And I also give you a link to the PDF for that teaching. Next report here. Okay, uh, this was a question from a listener, Jeff. And it said, I just want, I watched a show called A Haunting as a, um, and in this episode, a demonic spirit is defeated. Banned from tormenting the family. Through a combination of spiritual tools, not all from Christianity. Uh, prayer to supposedly God, not Jesus. Using salt, burning sage, etc. These are new age ways of supposedly dis- dispelling demons. He says, I realize that all or most false religions can cast out demons and the power of faith in itself can do miracles, even faith that's not focused on Jesus Christ. I'm going to get to that in a second. I wonder why this is so. I wonder why at times the demons and fallen ones have to obey the faith and spiritual tools that are not Christ-centered. Well, okay. This is a really gigantically huge deception that I have talked about in the past. It's very important we understand what's going on here. When you see a shaman come in, or a psychic, or a witch, or a pagan, and I would also even throw a Catholic priest in there, because they're, they're, not, they're not of God, and they supposedly, seemingly get the job done. Oh, it lifted off the house, and we haven't had any problems since then. Now, most of the time, that doesn't even happen, if you watch any of those shows. I'm not saying watch those shows, I'm saying, from the accounts I've seen, most of the time, the problem exists in the end, or they get out of the place, and it's still existing. But every once in a while, supposedly, they get the job done. And the people can stay there. And wow, it's just so much better now. And none of it's Christ-centered. None of it's, it's like some pagan whatever, or the guy brings crucifixes in, and, and this kind of things. How do we explain this, biblically? How, how do we do that? I think there's, there's multiple explanations for why something like this could transpire. From an occultic witchcraft standpoint, I do believe that there are certain instances when an occultist can go in there and 
essentially take a devil or demon that is attached to a particular house, a particular object, a particular piece of land, where a crime or some mega sin has been committed. Because literally, if you see these types of things, there's always some reason why these supposedly hauntings are occurring, where ghosts or devils or demons are in a particular place. There was some starting point. Many times it's when innocent blood was shed on a particular piece of land or house or this type of thing. Or, let's say, brutal, horrific treatment of family members. Somebody died there. Somebody committed uh, suicide there. There's always some reason that a devil or a demon has a right to be at a particular location. And they're literally, it's like they're tied to that land. I do believe from an occulting occultic pagan standpoint, that if a person knows what they're doing from an occult standpoint, there are certain instances, not every, where they can literally liberate that devil or demon to continue to walk the earth like they would have normally been doing. Where, the, where does the Bible talk about that? Okay, where, where are we talking about in the Bible? Matthew twelve forty three. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, because literally these unclean spirits seek to inhabit a body. Okay? When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest. And he findeth none. Why? Because he only can get true rest when he's in a body. Then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out of. Meaning the man that he came out of originally. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished, meaning the vessel, body, soul, and spirit. Wow, it's all ready for me to go back and infest, essentially. And he and goeth he, the spirit, the unclean spirit, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. One big happy family. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So, do you understand that when a spirit goes out of a person's body, it's seeking... Doesn't they're, they're, Well, no, they're all in hell. No, they're not. No, they're not. The angels which, which left their first estate hath he reserved in chains unto everlasting judgment, like the book of Jude talks about. Those are the angels that literally fell... In Genesis 6, and that was only, I believe, a small percentage. These are angels that were already fallen, but, well, no, I shouldn't say that. They weren't fallen. They chose to fall at Genesis 6. Okay? Those angels hath he reserved in chains under everlasting judgment, literally in a special compartment of hell called Tartarus, which I'm translating that from the Greek. Tartarus only appears in the Bible in the one instance. And it talks about that, I believe, in First Peter. But the devils and demons and things of this, most of them are not in hell. When they're not in a man, they seeketh. But when sins are committed, when, when wickedness and sins are committed, it starts to literally defile the land. That's why the Bible talked about when there was sodomy going on. When there was... Um, Men with men, women with women. It says, learn not the way of the heathen, essentially. 
Don't defile yourselves because God cast out the people before you when they did these things. It'll cast you out too if you participate in them. And one of the worst is, is when you get into the whole gay homosexual lifestyle. Look what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire and brimstone. So, when sins are committed like this, it literally defiles the land. And some sins worse than others. When a sin is committed like in a house or whatever, a murder, these types of things, I literally believe it literally ties these devils and demons to that land. If a pagan or an occultist is adept enough at what they do, there are certain instances where they can go in there and liberate that devil or demon. And basically it's like letting him go. It's like severing his satanic chain to that site and he can go and, and be a devil someplace else. He can go about and seeking in dry places and seeking a body to inhabit. It doesn't mean that the problem's gone. I don't ever believe that, that or I love even more, is when, yes, we just had to reason with the devil so he could finally go toward the light. Because all these witchcraft shows, basically that's what it's always about. Oh, it's, it's dear Uncle Ed and he's still, he's got unfinished business here. That's another lie from the pit of hell. Or dear Aunt Agnes. And, and she she was abused by her wife Earl when he was here. And she's got unfinished business. She has to tell her story. So the devil or demon, who is a familiar spirit of Aunt Agnes, appears that way. Well, how could it do that? Because it's a master of deception. It's a familiar spirit, familiar with the exact attributes of that person they indwelt when they were living. In this case, Aunt Agnes. So, all of a sudden, the people that move in there, they see this person that looks just like this Aunt Agnes. And they do research and genealogical studies or whatever on the on the, the people that live there and on the house. And they find out, well, there's this lady. And then uh, they'll find a picture and like, they're like, oh my word, this is the lady in the house that's haunting us. If you buy into that for one minute, that that's really Aunt Agnes, you might as well just throw your Bible out the door and convert to Islam. Why would you say that? Because it negates the word of God. It totally negates the word of God. If you're a Christian, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In heaven. Okay? If you're not a Christian, you go to hell. The Bible's very clear. I've done many teachings on that. You don't just get to hang around and, you know, have it your way or, or straight out unfinished business. That is all a lie and a deception from the pit of hell. Those are familiar spirits, familiar with the exact attributes of those people that lived on earth at that time. And they're, all they're doing is, it's a counterfeit. They're mimicking those people. But invariably, in every single one of those shows, oh no, it's dearly departed Aunt Agnes. Or no, it's that murderer, Kip Russell, who, who murdered all those people. And we have to, we have to, um, I don't know. Uh, uh, we have to basically reconcile with him so that he can release his burden and go toward the light. Yeah, the flaming fire of hell light. In a lot of the cases, that's how they present it. Wicked spirits that just, you know, got off track. And now they need to be 
They need to have their burden released so that they can go toward the light. The only thing they're doing when they do that, from a non-Christian standpoint, is they're just, if that spirit is actually truly not tied to that land anymore, they're just letting that spirit go so he can go do wickedness in other parts of the planet. That's all they're doing. I also believe that a lot of times when supposedly this activity stops because an occultist does something to supposedly whatever, liberate the spirit, I I think a lot of times it's just the spirit is just all of a sudden pulled back his horns, literally, and he's playing playing nice. He's not going to create any ruckus for a while. And then all of a sudden it's going to start up again. Maybe it's two years down the road. We don't know because we don't see the end of the story of that particular house. A lot of times it'll be like, well, as of two months later, there's been no more demonic activity. That doesn't mean that devil's still not there. (laughs) It doesn't mean that at all. And this would all go exactly for any kind of Catholic exorcism, which I don't believe in. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. The Bible's very clear. If Satan cast out Satan... Jesus Christ addressed that subject. How can you have a demon-possessed, infested, Catholic priest casting out devils in somebody, and all of a sudden, wow, they're all reformed. If they were truly reformed, they'd get saved. No, they're, they're not. They're, 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 but they're of the same mind now. Are they still a Catholic? Yeah, they are. Do you think that Satan might be letting all that happen so that the Catholic faith could be glorified a little bit more, and the people would look at that and say, wow, look at the power of that priest. He cast out that devil in that Catholic, and now she's of a sound mind. You think Satan might have another hidden agenda there? To point people to the Catholic Church so that they can have some more brill cream, works-based, garbage, lying religion, like the Catholic Church offers? You have to understand, what is, Satan, what is Satan's agenda? With all these things, I look at it with a biblical eye. What is his agenda? Why would it appear that a, that a Catholic priest would have this type of power whenever he does? A lot of times, in a lot of those shows, the Catholic priests are like terrified and pre- presented as absolutely, totally inept. And then they finally get a pagan witch who can get the job done. That also makes a mockery of Christ, in a way. Because it looks like, well, Christianity doesn't have the answer. Because they lump the Catholics in with Christians. And now we'll bring our pagan in and, and they'll get the job done. And the demons will be... You understand all the little hidden micro-agendas that Satan could have when it comes to this ghost-haunting stuff? There's all these agendas that could be accomplished through this. And are things we have to keep in the forefront of our mind. I think I've seen like one of those shows one time where they had like a true born-again Christian get the job done real quick. No more activity. But those are, are highly, those are not popular. Those, I mean, those are like one out of a hundred episodes, possibly. I've seen very few. Very few. If you, if, if you were ever see something like that. They don't want to show the, the true way to deal with devils and demons and things of this nature. They don't, they don't want to show that. Uh uh-uh. uh. They're going to show the pagan or some pseudo Christian cat or some lukewarm guy. That, uh, what they really love to do again is, is present any kind of Christian minister 
uh, who, for the most part, from what I'm seeing, these people will, something like this will happen, and they'll call like their local churches, and, and they, they'll just be either terrified or ignore them. Or if they do come, they'll get so scared they'll run out of there. It makes a mockery. And they think, people looking at that say, well, hey, if that's like the pastor of their church, and if he's scared, if he's terrified of this, that doesn't say a whole lot about Christianity. Understand, there's a major agenda with all these shows about hauntings and witchcraft. It's an agenda to show that Satan is more powerful than anything a Christian could ever come up with and that witchcraft does work and paganism is good and false religion like the Catholics sometimes can get the job done. But look at it from... Don't look at it like, wow, I'm watching this show. And I'm saying, I'm not saying watch those shows. I'm just saying, if you ever see those, or even clips, look at it like, well, what's Satan's agenda? What is Satan's agenda here? See, if I ever did that stuff, and, I, and I've done a lot of stuff like along these lines, key and supernatural in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I, I've never backed down any of this. Ever. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Big and Bold. I'm just saying, I just don't. I look at it like I want to go toward it whenever I see evil. I want to I go toward it. I want to confront it. Like, I don't want to like David when he went to Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine. How dare he bring these railing accusations, you know, that type of thing. It's how I kind of feel about it. I had voodoo high priests try to kill me. Hired to kill me. With high-level voodoo curses. Key and Supernatural. You want to hear about it. In the keyword search box. At contendingfortruth.com. I'm not making it up. As God is my witness. I'm not making none of that stuff up. I have sought... I, I haven't done it as much lately because I'm so... Kind of tied to this ministry. Because of the massive amount of emails I get in the... Just the sheer amount of work that it takes, just one person to try to get through all this. I'm not saying I don't have a webmaster, and I thank God for that, or Paul helping me out on, on the uh, like the USB flash drives. But I'm just talking about day to day web, uh, internet, trying to get stuff up there, trying to put out the emails, trying to get the recordings up, trying to do the. Uh, it's a lot. Try to answer all the emails. I don't get a chance to do that as much anymore. But I'm telling you from personal experience, I know what's going on. With this, And Satan always has an agenda when it comes to these types of shows to try to brainwash you and to get you thinking that Christianity is a bunch of little gelded, inept, powerless morons riding around with, with no power. And we're the ones that have the power. The Bible talks about taking up the shield of faith wherewith ye will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and taking up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. We actually are the only ones on the planet that actually have the power to deal with what I'm talking about here today. The other ones don't have the power. At best, if a psychic or a medium or whatever these people call themselves go in there, they basically appease the devils. Well, we, we want to placate. We want to talk nice to them. It's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. You don't deal with Satan that way. 
So, going back to the question, and I already answered this, but I wonder why this is so. I wonder why at times the demons and the fallen ones have to obey faith um, and spiritual tools that are not Christ-centered. Well, hopefully I just answered that question, especially when you consider the seven sons of Sceva, um, who tried to use Jesus' name and got their, their butts kicked by the devil. These, this is a great example of if like a occultist went in there and tried to invoke the name of Jesus with no faith behind it, being unsaved. Trust me, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Okay, that's a great example in the Bible of that. And then he goes on to say, I've always thought it was a strange that the Catholic exorcists do indeed exorcise demons, though, using through using stuff like holy water, which there's no Bible for whatsoever, specific prayers, calling on Michael and whatever, etc. The Catholic Church is such a cult. E- exactly, but I explained that about the Catholics. I guess the end meaning is that just the act and success of casting out demons does not necessarily equate in true Christianity. Many will come to me on that, where he repeats the verse in, um, I believe Matthew, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this um, and that in your name? And I'll reply, depart from me, I never knew you. Where the Bible talks about people that supposedly cast out devils and demons in Jesus' name. It's a great example of that. True. But I hopefully I gave you some perspective on what's going on with these types of um, apostate churches that we're dealing with here, or uh, not apostate churches, but like the, with the paganism, and things like Catholics or things of this nature. Because you're never, ever going to get an accurate, reliable, biblically correct answer if you go by whatever Hollywood is trying to shove down your throat always going to be lies. Always going to portray the devil as powerful and anybody that follows God is typically inept. And that's their agenda. So I'm going to have to end part uh, two here and we're going to go to part three next. God bless you.